0: Good morning everybody. Good morning. I am glad to say I got my cue at this service. I missed it at eight thirty. I was sitting over here just staring into space and nothing happening. Here we are, I'm glad you're here. Thank you for coming and joining us this morning as we gather here for worship. This is a beautiful day and a wonderful time for us to be able to come together and celebrate God's presence. And I thank you for being here. If this is your first time with us, welcome. You should find a a cadet card in the pew rack right in front of you. If you will take that and fill it out and drop it in the offering plate, we will be in touch with you and give you a personal welcome. If you have prayer concerns, put it on that same card and let us know that and we'll try respond to it. If you're joining us via live stream, welcome to you as well. You can go to the address you'll see on your screen and let us know that you have been with us and we will try to respond to you. If you have prayer concerns, do exactly the same thing. Just send them to us and we'll try to respond to them as best we can. But we're glad all of you are here and we thank you for coming to be with us. We have gathered here today to worship God and to, to offer the best that we have to him. Let's begin with prayer. Lord, I thank you for this day, and I ask you to invoke your Spirit upon us as we come here. Help us to know that when we walk through the door, you were waiting for us. This is not the only place you meet us, Lord. You have promised that you would never leave us nor forsake us, and we give thanks for that. But this is a special place and a special time because you have said where two or more are gathered together, there you will be also. You have promised us that if we come together for worship that you will let your Spirit be upon us, and that you will show us the wonder of your grace. Come, Lord, and help us to know you as we come into this place. More so, help us to offer our best to you. The words that we offer, the prayers that we say, the the songs that we sing, whatever it is that we come here and bring you today, we pray that it will be something that will bless your heart and soul, that we will be the ones who will lift you up because this hour is about you. Help us to experience you as we come here today, O Lord, for it is in your name we offer our prayer. Amen. Let's pray together,
1: shall we? O God, you are indeed good. And we thank you that you are with us this very morning as we have gathered together here as Christians, brothers and sisters. We don't ask, have to ask you to be here. We need only to recognize and make ourselves aware of your presence that is with us even now. And we are grateful. We are grateful that because of your son, we can come and we can approach your throne of grace with, with confidence that you hear us when we lift up your name with songs of praise. We can lift up your name in prayer. We can lift up your name in the proclamation of your word. So we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us in this hour that we may know you and we may experience you in a new and a fresh way. Oh, Lord, we pray that you would give us the mind of Christ. We know it's a dangerous thing for us to pray, to be aware of you as he was aware of you, to know your heart of love, to know the glory of your righteousness, to know your infinite concern about the imbalances and the injustices of life. To see the world as, as Jesus saw it, teeming with people who need care and compassion and healing to share in his vision of the kingdom and of the way he reorders people's lives and reorganizes priorities. So we know this is dangerous territory for us to pray in this way. To invite upon ourselves the possibilities given shape in Jesus himself of being called to specific forms of ministry relating and demonstrating care and compassion for people who live on the margins of our society Showing grace and mercy to those whose society deems don't deserve your grace and mercy. Sharing our faith among people who would despise us and insult us. So help us to realize, oh God, that being a follower of Christ is very serious business. It can be very dangerous. Yes, there is joy, but it isn't always easy. So we ask you, Lord, to give us the courage, to give us the resolution to join you. Let the desires that were in Christ Jesus be in us also, that being united in him, we shall reveal to the world around us the desire you have for your creation, that we may all be one, sharing life and love and even our possessions until we are all caught up into your heavenly kingdom. Oh, God, we come and ask that you be with those that we know and love who are suffering this morning, perhaps because of illness or grief or fractured relationships or any other difficulty that life often brings upon us. We pray that you would give your strength, that you would give your encouragement, that you would give your guidance to each and all of us, that we might might know you and understand more fully what it means to count the cost, to take up our cross and follow you. So help us, Lord, to die daily, and may we decrease and may you increase in our lives And we pray this prayer in the name of the one who taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
2: Our scripture reading this morning comes from Mark chapter 8, beginning in verse 27. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, You are the Messiah. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter.
0: Thanks be to God. Holy God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the message that you choose to reveal to us through this word. We thank you for the ones who have given it to us and preserved it over the years. We thank you for the grace that pours forth from such a word. And we pray that we as people would bask in that grace and that we would know well your joy, your love, your hope, and your calling. You're calling for us to step into the brokenness of this world and the brokenness of the hearts of this world to try to make a difference. Make it so as we gather here today, O Lord. Make it so as we come to experience you, for it is in your name we offer our prayer today. Amen. Back at least 20 years ago, may have been longer than that, there was a casting director in a small theater in New Jersey who started receiving all kinds of threats and nasty emails and phone calls. And he actually had some death threats that came to him. This man had committed an unpardonable sin, according to some people. He was casting for the annual Passion Play and he had the audacity to cast the part of Jesus to a black man. He wasn't trying to make a political statement. He wasn't in any way trying to be politically correct. He was just simply trying to cast the best person who had the best audition in the part of the man that was the star of the show, which was Jesus Christ. But he didn't really have the opportunity to do what he had planned to do because people became so angry with him over his casting choices before the play even opened almost the a third of the season ticket holders canceled their tickets. But the worst part was there were almost a dozen death threats and many of those were traced to people who went to local churches. They were supposed to be Christians, but it did not seem that they acted very much like Christians. They were willing to disparage a man and even threaten to kill a man because he had the very audacity to put a black man in in the position of Jesus Christ. Every time I hear a story like that, it makes me understand why the secular world looks at the church and they think that we're just a bunch of wackos. And sometimes I'm embarrassed to tell people that I'm a Christian, and that's especially true when Christians are doing stupid things in the name of Jesus. For instance, back about 30 years ago, I was at a Christian convention in Texas, and there was this fire breathing preacher who was preaching the word, and the entire sermon was about who he hated. One of the famous lines that he had in that sermon was a line that made headlines the next morning. It said, quote, These liberals call themselves moderates, but a skunk by any other name still stinks. He was talking about me. He was talking about preachers like me. Believe me, this guy got everybody that night. He got the politicians and the college professors and the seminary professors and women in ministry and gays and Democrats and communists. He even took a swipe at his own granddaddy before that night was over. The longer I listened to that preacher, the matter I got, but I wasn't in the league with the man that was sitting across the aisle from me. He was infuriated with what was going on. When that preacher took a swipe, at his own granddaddy. He reached down, he picked up his materials that he had brought in with him, and he stood up and he started to walk out. But as he started down the aisle, he surprised everybody because he broke into song. He started singing, I have decided to follow Buddha. And he sang that all the way out of the convention center. People were hissing at him. He just kept singing it as loud as he could all the way out. Now, I know that that just is right on the border of sacrilegious, but it wasn't one more centenna sacrilegious than what we were listening to from that preacher because when your idea about Jesus doesn't match the character of the real Jesus, it's not only embarrassing— but you can do more harm than good to the cause of Jesus and that's exactly what Mark 8:27 through 36 is all about according to Mark one day Jesus was in Caesarea Philippi, and he decided to stop and rest. And while they were sitting there, he looked at his disciples and he said, who do people say I am? They told him that some people thought he was John the Baptist. Some people thought he was Elijah. Some people thought he was one of the other ancient prophets that had been brought back to set Israel free. But then Jesus looked at his disciples. He said, so who do you say I am? And when he did, Peter spoke up immediately and he said, you are the Messiah. And according to the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus praised Peter, but then he told the disciples of Peter not to tell anybody until the time was right. Peter was more than happy to abide by Jesus's instruction because Peter thought he knew exactly who Jesus was. Jesus was a hero. Jesus was a revolutionary. Jesus was God's secret agent who had come to plant God's kingdom in Jerusalem, which meant it was going to be Peter's kingdom too, because Peter was Jesus's right-hand man. Jesus was going to be the king, and Peter was going to get to be the prime minister, and all would be right with the world. Peter was excited because Peter had seen Jesus heal the sick. He had watched him raise the dead. He had watched him feed the hungry and clothe the naked. And more importantly, the people on the street had had seen jesus do that as well and they were following jesus by the thousands at that point because jesus was hot jesus was a superstar jesus was a winner jesus was popular jesus was their dream come true the sky was the limit all jesus had to do was just step into his role that they imagined for him and do what they wanted him to do but then Just as victory was right in his hands, the real Jesus decided to stand up. And the real Jesus was the spirit of truth, and the truth wasn't at all what Peter wanted to hear. The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed, and after three days he will rise again. That was not what Peter wanted to hear, and he knew it wasn't what the people wanted to hear. So, Peter grabbed Jesus, and he pulled him aside, and and he basically said, Jesus, what is the matter with you these people don't want to hear about suffering and death they want to hear about victory they want to hear about winning they want to hear about the new kingdom that you're going to bring they don't want to hear about a cross but when he did Jesus looked at Peter and he said get behind me Satan it was one of the most painful things that Peter had ever heard that was Jesus' way of saying to Peter, I don't care whether you want to hear it or not, Peter. Your ways aren't God's ways. If you want to change the world, you'll have to start by changing yourself. You can't change the world by doing business as usual. The only way you're going to change things is with God's love and a cross. That was Jesus's way of saying, think about how you would get things done and then go do exactly the opposite and you will probably be doing God's will. Do you see what the real Jesus is trying to teach us here? Our calling is to walk in Jesus's footsteps and Jesus's footsteps are the way of love and sacrifice. It's the opposite of the world that we live in. Back in 1998, one of the worst tragedies to happen since World War II occurred in the African nation of Rwanda. There were two tribes there in that nation, the Hutus and the the Tutsis, and they had been arguing for years about politics and influence and social standing and leadership of the nation. In 1998, all of that started to boil over, and when it did, the Hutus attacked the Tutsis, and in less than three weeks, over one million people had been killed in what was the worst genocide since World War II and the quickest genocide that had been done in modern history. The Hutus had been planning that attack for months, and they had, they had been importing machetes for weeks to make sure that they had enough to go around. And then they spread the word through their tribe that there would be code words that would be broadcast on their public radio, and they were to listen for the, those code words. Those code words were, it's time to cut down the tall trees. That radio message was only broadcast twice, but within a hundred days, one and a half million men, women, children, even babies were dead. People were dead. They were trying to hide in churches. Absolutely nobody in the world went to Rwanda to try to stop that killing because Rwanda was a poor black nation in the middle of Africa. They didn't have any oil. They didn't have any gold. They didn't have any diamonds. They didn't have any of the things that the industrialized world wanted or needed. And so nobody sent troops to try to save over a million people's lives. That was a terrible event, and one of the worst parts of that tragedy was the fact that Rwanda was the single most Christian nation on the entire continent of Africa. In fact, those two tribes, the Hutus and the Tutsis, they were two of the most fully Christianized tribes on the African continent. Up until that genocide happened, Rwanda was regularly cited by evangelicals as quote the the greatest success story in the history of evangelical missions in Africa. So the question is what happened? Why did one Christian tribe try to annihilate another Christian tribe? without giving the slightest thought to Jesus? Well, the answer to that is very simple. They did it because the real Jesus didn't suit them. The real Jesus didn't make them happy. The real Jesus wasn't the Jesus they wanted to know. That love your neighbor as yourself thing, that wasn't what they wanted to do. They didn't want to hear the truth of the gospel anymore. Then sometimes we want to hear the truth of the gospel because the truth is being a Christian isn't about winning. It's about losing. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for you to gain the whole world yet forfeit your soul? Rwanda was supposed to be a Christian place. It was supposed to be a Christian nation. More people went to church in Rwanda the Sunday before that massacre than on any other Christian nation in that continent. And the Hutu people knew that massacre was coming when they went to church that Sunday. They were planning that massacre when they went to church. They had been distributing those machetes all week Long the week before they went to church on Sunday. Those church-going Christians went to church, they read the Bible, they sang hymns, they listened to sermons, and then they murdered one and a half million people like it was God's will for them to do it. And some of their leaders actually quoted Scripture out of context to try to justify what they had done. And the reason they did that is because the people who led Rwanda to Christ did a very good job of getting those people baptized, but But unfortunately, they didn't teach them what it meant to follow Jesus as their Lord. The gospel that had been preached there was a very highly conservative Calvinistic gospel. It it saw everything that happened in life as being predestined by God. And the gospel that had been taught in Rwanda had a lot to do with the prosperity gospel. Prosperity gospel says if you're blessed by God, you're a winner. But if you're not a winner, then you're not blessed by God. That's not what Jesus taught. Other people tried to preach the truth in Rwanda. They actually tried to reveal the true gospel in Rwanda, but nobody went to those churches because nobody wanted to hear what they had to say. Galatians 5:22 through 25 says but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control there is no law against such things those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires so since we live by the spirit let us also keep in step with the spirit fruit of the spirit is supposed to be living inside us when we accept Jesus Christ as our lord and savior which means if we believe in Jesus we're supposed to live a life that's so different from the rest of the world that's around us the rest of the world can't help but take notice of the difference that exists inside us but unfortunately that's not usually what we humans do we go to church just like the hoodoos did And we usually form our opinions and our actions according to our feelings and our prejudices instead of around God's truth because we want to win by the world's standards and we want to feel the way we want to feel. That's why Peter rebuked Jesus. He didn't want Jesus to tell the people the truth because the truth wasn't the kind of gospel that Peter wanted to hear and he knew it wasn't the kind of gospel that those people wanted to hear. That's why Jesus looked at him and said, get behind me, Satan. If it's not the truth, it's of Satan, even if you're waving a Bible around in the air when you're saying it. One and a half million dead people, and they were murdered by people who went to church on Sunday. The apostle John said, whoever claims to love God and yet hates his neighbor is a liar. If somebody had taught that to the Rwandan church, things might have been different than the way they turned out, or maybe they wouldn't have. I know a young woman who's basically the headmaster of a private school. She is a delightful person. She used to be a children's leader in a large evangelical church. This woman was sharing an apartment with another young woman who happened to be a lesbian. When the church leaders found out that she had a roommate who was lesbian, they stopped her from working in the children's ministry, and some of those fine Christian people went to her and told her that it might be better if she just didn't come back to their church that young woman was devastating she hasn't been back to church on a regular basis since she still has Christian friends but if the topic of church comes up she doesn't hesitate to say the meanest and most hateful people I've ever dealt with were church people Whether we like hearing it or not, way too many Christians like going to church as long as the real Jesus sits down and shuts up. Because we don't even want to think about the real Jesus before we make our decisions. Going to church is just fine, but let the real Jesus stand up. Let the real Jesus start talking. Let the real message of Jesus start coming out, and people start getting angry. About it because it's not what they want to hear. A lot of people aren't any better than those people in Rwanda was. The only difference is a lot of times our sin is just not as extreme as theirs was, but it's still sin. It's still sin. It still looks more like Satan than it does like Jesus. And the reason it's that way is because we don't like hearing The Christian faith is about losing ourselves to the love of God. It's about losing ourselves to God's will. It's about truly asking ourselves, what would God have me do and how would he have me live? Where would he have me go and invest my life and what would it take to do that? Let's watch this.
3: One block east of uh, downtown Los Angeles is uh, one of the most dangerous, overlooked, marginalized places in the United States of America, and that's Skid Row. Uh, Skid Row is a place where horrible things happen all the time. Women and children are the most vulnerable to the crimes, but you also have gang members and drug dealers who sell drugs near rescue missions and uh, hinder efforts to help people in the area. This is where I work. This is where God called me to be. And I believe that with my whole heart. Now the reality here is most people don't really like police officers. They're taught to hate us because they feel we're after them because of their social status or race or whatever. It's really hard to meet somebody you really want to help and have them reject you. Some of them hate my guts, and I really, truly, honestly, care about them. I try to look at people the way I think God looks at people, and in spite of all our mistakes, God still loves us, so in spite of all the mistakes that a lot of the people in Skid Row have made, I want to show them that I love them, and I want to help make their lives better. You got to get out of your car sometimes, remove your judgmental idea about who people are and what a good person should be, you know, and get out there and get to know these people because you'll find it, even though some of them have a lot of problems, severe problems, mild problems, they're people. Let me feel it. Mm-hmm. Oh, there you go. That's it. That's the real deal right there. Look at All right. Dion Joseph. Call me Dion. They're told the police hate you. But I destroy that theory when I get out in the street because those folks will test you. If you say you care, they're going to hold you up to it. Okay, Joseph, you care? Put me in some housing.
1: Is Dion? Okay. Yes, oh, Dion. For real?
3: Yeah, if you're interested in some 90 day housing?
2: Yes, yes.
3: Okay. What I want you to do is Thursday go see my friend that she's, okay. a, she's a wonderful lady. Over time, the people see you for who you are, not what you are. They know I'm doing what I'm doing, not to harass them, but because I'm for them, all right? We'll do both. All right, let's take care. All right. Hey, how are you? A star. You know, you're a star. How are you doing? Because <laughs> you love this kid, Ralph. I do, I do. <laughs> Get to know people on an individual basis. I know their names. I know when they've been sober, I know when they're high. People always ask me, how can you work here? How could you sit here all this time? My faith in God is what keeps me from packing up and leaving town. This is my assignment. It's like a driving force that keeps me having faith in this community. You know, it says, Don't let him go yet, Dion. Don't let him go.
0: Jesus said, for whoever will save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and the sake of the gospel will save it. Sometimes we are called to become a channel for the living out of the real Jesus, a channel of blessing, a channel of hope, a channel of grace. We're called to step into the brokenness of the world and to have faith that God will not only mend the brokenness that is down inside us, things, choices we have made that were not necessarily the best that have hurt us and choices that others have made that have hurt us as well and that have caused us to want to withdraw. Jesus is the one who can come to us and step into our lives and heal that brokenness so that we can become that channel. Of grace and mercy and love. How do we do that? We do that by giving our lives to the real Jesus and then by trusting him to make us into something more. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your grace and your love. I thank you for wanting to step into the brokenness of the world to make all the difference that you knew how to make. People sometimes wanted to hear it. Sometimes they didn't want to hear it at all. By the time that the story was coming to an end, not only had the people rejected you, but they were crying for you to be nailed to a cross. And yet you looked down from that cross at the people who had driven nails in your body and at the people who had screamed for your death. And you said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You still had faith in those people, Lord. You had faith in what your disciples were going to do after they experienced your resurrection. You had faith in what they would do when your real spirit came and, and claimed their lives. You had faith that they were going to lose themselves in your story, in your message, in your mercy and love, and they were going to go into the world to help change it. They did that, Lord, because they had experienced the real Jesus and they had chosen to accept him into their lives. Help us to do the same thing today. Give us the courage to be able to say, Lord, I know that there's something missing in my life and I believe that it's you. And I am asking you to come and live inside me and then help me to grow to become the person that you would have me be. Help me to do what you would have me do and to become what you would have me become. Help me to know that it won't always be easy and we won't always be applauded for what we're doing. Help us to know that we can still make a difference and we can be in your will while we're doing it. Make it so as we gather here, Lord. Give us the courage and the strength to believe that you can take the brokenness and make it whole. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. If you've come here today and you've chosen to give your life to Jesus Christ, you've chosen to to believe in the real Jesus and want him to be part of your life, we'll be here. If you'll come and let us know that, we'll help you with that. If you're not sure how to do that, we'll help you to try to understand that. If you want to join our church and be part of our mission, we'd love to have you. So come and let us know that, and we'll help you with that decision as well. When we go out the doors, we're going into a world that needs to see a difference. Let's do the best we know how to be that difference. Let's try to live it as fully as we can for the good of ourselves and for the good of the world around us. Now may the Lord bless and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and give you peace this day and every day, now and forevermore. Amen. God bless you, everyone.